Brewers fans have time today. Let's get into this. Let's spend some time arguing about Craig Council and bullpenning and feeling out a game and preserving a starting pitcher. We have time. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? Will Deshaun Watson ever play football again? Should the Brewers have allowed us to tailgate on opening day? These are the questions. These are the questions that have been posed to us. Questions that we will not address in this next this next hour of the Wisco Sports Show. Julian Edelman has retired. And over commercial breaks, I've just been cruising Twitter. Everyone's arguing whether he's a Hall of Famer or not. You know, Jordy Nelson has substantially better stats. Not arguing Jordy Nelson would be a Hall of Famer. I just, if Julian Edelman gets in, I... <sighs> it's the Wisco, Grant. It's the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco, Wisco, Wisco. Talk about Wisconsin stuff. Wisconsin stuff. Brewers are killing it. That's excellent. Aaron Rodgers is hosting Jeopardy. Depending on where you watch, he might be hosting it as we speak. Talk about those Wisconsin things. I want to talk a lot more about the Brewers. Been discussing Travis Shaw a little bit today. And I want to preview the Cubs because the Cubs are in a fascinating spot right now. But because baseball is crazy, right, the trends with the Cubs and what the Cubs have been doing the last nine days, that, that's not certain to continue. That's why baseball's fun. But the Cubs are kind of addicted to not scoring runs at the moment, allergic to offense. So we'll talk more about that, especially as the show comes to a close because the Brewers pregame will be starting on all these fine stations at 6.05 p.m. It's the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an excellent night, kind of reeling from a really, really jam-packed weekend of sports between the Masters and WrestleMania and Sunday Night Baseball was nuts last night and the Brewers won two games and everybody's still losing their mind about Aaron Rodgers and his contract. We have a lot going on the last couple of days and I want to do my best to get to it all, especially if it's something you specifically want to hit on. So if there's something you want to dig into, really get into in detail, even if it's wrestling, hit me up. 608-796-2558. The talk and text line, Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I... When I started preparing the show earlier this morning, I think I first cracked my laptop at like nine. I started thinking about all the different sporting events that happened this weekend. And then I I started to think about the sports calendar as a whole and kind of where we are on it, on the sports calendar. I think it would be really cool to, side note, this is a tangent, but you might agree with me. I think it would be really cool to get a long piece of paper, like let's say six feet wide, six feet long, and like three feet tall. So like a big timeline that you could write on. And I would love to do January to December on a big timeline. And I would like to color in which sports happen when. And I would love to visually be able to look at that, right? Like, okay, the the red line for football, let's say just color coding it. I like color coding things too. Football is red and it starts in August. And then that line continues all the way to the end of the timeline through the other side into February. Right, And then you could visually look at how that stacks up with the NBA and Major League Baseball and golf and all these different things. It would be a, a cool project. It might be something I work on. It would be kind of cool. The sports calendar is very interesting. Like fall, for example. I just mentioned football. You got NFL and college football, and it's dominated by that. Betting and fantasy football. And then towards the end of the season, you really get into the debate about the college football playoff. Right, That's what dominates the fall. Because the NBA does start at some point, but we don't really care yet. And baseball is all but wrapped up, except for a few teams, typically not the Brewers and typically not the Twins. Although the last couple of years, we've been doing 
pretty good staying relevant late into the season. That's fall, right? And summer is basically all baseball. We watch the Brewers, listen to the Brewers or the Twins or the Cubs. Maybe go see a Northwoods League game. Go see the Loggers or the Express or the Dock Spiders or the Mallards. Very relaxed. Winter, mostly just basketball and NHL, depending on your preference. Most people like one or the other. Very few people have time for both. I know I, I can't. I, I don't have enough space on my radar to get into hockey. NBA takes up most of my time. College basketball does too. And spring, the sports season that we're just fat in the middle of right now, I think is, is maybe the most unique sports time of year because we have so much intersection, right? You have March Madness. You have the NBA and the NHL. Those leagues are heating up. Baseball is starting, and we're really into that. And then this weekend, we have the Masters and WrestleMania. And it, it was this pack sports weekend with all of these different types of things going on. <laughs> I think to start the show back at 4 o'clock, it's actually very funny to compare the Masters and WrestleMania because both are similar. They have a rich history where if you ask any longtime fan, they'll be able to tell you what happened, you know, 30 years ago. Both have it, uh, a rabid fan base. You can go attend them, and it's really expensive. <laughs> Fans look forward to them all year, and yet one is entertainment. It's wrestling. <laughs> it's, it's like cartoonish, and then the Masters is so traditional, and you know, have to wear a certain color, and you have to take your hat off in the clubhouse. It's very funny. This weekend was a, a fascinating kind of fruit salad of, of different events. 608-796-2558. Jeff. Did you watch WrestleMania this weekend, Jeff? Are you a wrestling guy? I am not at all, uh, but I just wanted to call and say from Friday, I told you so. Will you, Remember our conversation on the Brewers? Yeah. Did you say that the bats were going to get going? I remember that we hit a couple of topics. Yep. yep, we definitely did that. If you brought that up earlier, I'm just picking you up now. But <laughs> um, they really, I mean, that's, they looked really good this weekend for the most part. They did. So are, are you, um, I know you do a little bit of Brewers, a little bit of Cubs. The, the Cubs are kind of in the same spot that the Brewers have been in. They're, they're scoring like one, two, three runs a game. They, they can't score. They have right. more than double the strikeouts of the hits. So do you think that that's going to happen for the Cubs too? It's really hard to say, but I, right now, I, when I look at that whole division, if, if everybody plays as well as they can, we, have quite a, we could have a four-way dogfight all the way here. Well, the Reds, Cincinnati yeah. is going to slow down some. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't play up. Nobody can do that. Mm-hmm. And the Cardinals are always there whether we like them or not. I, I, and most people <laughs> don't like them. Yeah. I, I think that's the best way to describe the Cardinals. It's just, they're just always there, and we hate it. And I, like, I hate it. I, I definitely agree. No, the Brewers have been, the Brewers have been turning it on the last couple of days, and that's something we're going to talk about uh, all the way up until 6 o'clock. You're not it, so you're not into wrestling, you're not into golf? No. Nothing else did it for you this weekend? Well, I, golf, I, do, I do golf, but I'm not really a golf watcher. I'm more of a golf doer. Ah, you're a doer. Are you any good? No. <laughs> really not. Not at all. Um, I, get, I get my money's worth. I enjoy it. It's, sure. It's fun. That's what it's for. And it's it should be relaxing. Every, every hole. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, it's not relaxing, but it's fun. <laughs> it is It's fun. I hear you, Jeff. Let's talk more about the Brewers' offense. Thanks for the call, and and have a good start to your week, man. Thanks for the ring. All right. Thank you so much for taking my call. You have a good night. Yeah, you as always, Jeff. You too. Be well. Man, 0 for 2. 0 for 2. See, the thing is, like, I I try to work in a little bit of wrestling, just in case some listeners are all about it, work in a little bit of golf. And Jeff Jeff calls in and says, I'm not into wrestling. And no, I don't golf either. That's Jeff, we're the same person. 608-796-2558. Uh, Binksy, our, our Brewers critic, 
He comes out of the woodwork when the Brewers come up. He says, question, when do we hold players accountable instead of hitting and bench coaches and counsel? Uh, Binks, that's a good question. Mm, well, I, I think listening to players is important. If, if you want to talk about holding players accountable versus holding coaches accountable, I think listening to the players is really, really important. Uh, over the last couple of days, Lorenzo Cain has spoken a lot with the press, obviously. They're pretty available every single day. Now they're doing it in Zooms, but Lorenzo Cain talked about Andy Haynes, the hitting coach, and Narvaez and Garcia have all, I think they all kind of sense that Andy Haynes might not be the most popular guy in the room these days just because the Brewers' offense is struggling so much. And they all went to bat for him, unprompted. Lorenzo Cain brought it up unprompted. And Omar Narvaez and Avi Garcia, in the offseason, they mentioned that Andy Haynes came to see them and came to work with them. And and all of these guys, when when speaking to the media about Andy Haynes, say he's he's the hardest working coach I have. Put so much time and so much energy into it. So I, I don't think it's a lack of effort. So I, I think, Binks, that's probably what you're getting at, right? Should we blame coaches? Should we blame players? It doesn't sound like Andy Haynes is... is being lazy doesn't sound like he's being a bad coach. Sometimes the results just are a little bit delayed. And I think that was the case last summer. And you're seeing these results finally with Avi Garcia, who is just a stick this weekend. And Omar Narvaez, who is the one functioning bat coming out of the gate for the first six games. Um, those two have really gotten it going. And I think Andy Haynes is probably a part of that. Uh, holding res- council responsible. I'm glad that you brought that up, Binks. And I have another text, and I want to get to that in a sec. But but holding counsel responsible, here's what I don't get in terms of criticism for Craig Council. Craig Council, in my opinion, has shown over the last couple of years that he can manage a starting pitching staff from game one to game 162 and beyond. That he always has the big picture in mind to make sure his arms don't get worn down, to make sure he's saving Josh Hader in 2018. Remember that? We fought him tooth and nail every step of the season. Use Hader more. Use Hader more. And he said no. Why? Because he had bigger and better plans. He wanted to wait until we get into the postseason and, and have a fresh Josh Hader, and he turned out to be right. He's shown that he can manage a starting rotation and a bullpen in playoff settings and in September. Craig Council, to me, is a really proven commodity when it comes to managing pitching. So I don't get why people are critical of him over pitching. However, if you did have a bone to pick with Craig Council, I think it would be offense, and I never really see people take that route. If I get texts or if I get tweets, it's always about, oh, counsel, he's overmanaging. He's pulling his starter or he's, he's you know, messing around with his bullpen. You know what I never get tweets about? The lineup. Like, why is counsel, why is Keston here not in the lineup? Like, for example, yesterday, Keston here wasn't in there. On Saturday, had, a, had a, a breakout day. Great day. Best day of the year. He finally had some success. And then he's not in the lineup on Sunday. And no one mentioned that. I feel like if you, if you wanted to criticize Craig Council, that's where you do it. You do it on the offensive side that there's not consistency in his lineups, and he doesn't know how to stack success from day to day and, and help a player get better as the season goes along. But I never see people complain about that. It's always about the pitching, which is a little backwards to me. So here, I'll give you some ammo, haters. If you can't stand Craig Council and you don't think he's a good manager, pick your battles. Pick the offensive battle, not the defensive battle, not the pitching battle, because he's shown that, that he can manage a pitching staff. I guess that's how I would respond to you, Binks, and you're saying, yeah, offense, bingo. Yeah, it, yeah I agree. I think if you have a bone to pick with counsel, it's about the offense. Thomas texts in, said, what's shaking, Grant? I uh, haven't been able to listen yet, but I would love a shout-out. Thomas, you know I'm always going to give you a shout-out. Appreciate you for listening, whether we're talking Brewers or golf or WWE. WrestleMania. Bad Bunny got in the ring this weekend. Saw that Logan Paul got a stunner, too. That made me very happy. Heck, Logan Paul. Guy's annoying. I always see him on social media. Not a fan. 
What were we talking about? Brewers, Craig Council? Yeah, I get it. Thanks for your text, Thomas. One more time, the number 608-796-2558. It's been a blast the last couple of days to watch the Brewers' bats heat up. It's been really, really fun. And I I think we got to give David Stern some retroactive credit, don't we? Dating back to last year, I remember the start of the season in 2020. And we had Ryan Healy and Omar Narvaez, Eric Sogard, Brock Holt, Avi Garcia. I remember reading about these additions and thinking, what what, what are we, we going to do with this? You're replacing Yasmani Grandal, one of the best offensive catchers in the league, and Mike Moustakis, who does nothing but just get knocks, just get RBIs. He's a productive player. And you're replacing those two guys with a bunch of players that I've never heard from, heard of, didn't know they existed. And, and now you're trying to tell me that, that, that that's going to cut the mustard? No. Remember at the beginning of the year, it's like, I don't know where the runs are going to come from. And ultimately, last year, the runs never came. Now, I'm not going to blame, you know, Stearns for that 100%. I'm not going to blame Narvaez and Garcia because last year was just, it was a weird year. I, I think other than the world championship from the Dodgers, there's not a whole lot that we're ever going to look back for that year and, and draw reference to just because it's, it's so weird. I, I don't know that you can judge that season on a normal basis of judgment that we use for baseball. But I do think we have to give D- David Stern some retroactive credit because after last year, we were told, look, Omar Narvaez isn't that bad of a hitter. He'll, he'll come around. And Avi Garcia isn't that bad. He'll, he'll come around. And it's happening, right? Garcia and Narvaez have been great. This last series alone... They only started, the two of them combined, started four of the six games. So both had a day off. And both combined for six hits, seven RBIs, five runs scored. Really, really productive weekend for those two. And Avi Garcia is this unique fit in the leadoff, uh, not the leadoff role, but the cleanup role. Because he doesn't just hit home runs, he hits for a little bit of average too. So he's almost like a second leadoff hitter for the next meaty part of that order. Whether that's Keston Hira or Omar Narvaez or Manny Pena who hit a home run yesterday. Avi Garcia is a unique, solid fit for the cleanup spot for those reasons because he provides something else other than just power. And I think that's something that maybe they're trying to tap into. Today, I want to pull the Brewers lineup back up. I can't remember. I think Garcia was in the cleanup spot. Yep. Shaw's hitting third. Vogelback is hitting second, which is weird and doesn't seem to fit. But Craig Council likes the, those those you know, different spots in the lineup. He uses those different spots to keep guys going, to get guys going and then Kane hitting leadoff. I think Avi Garcia is a good fit in the cleanup spot until they really find something like maybe maybe Hira firmly plants himself there at some point this season. Sure, but right now, I think Garcia makes a lot of sense for how this team is hitting. I think we also have to give David Stern some credit for Jackie Bradley Jr., right? I think he showed his value the last couple of days. Yelich banged up a little bit. Lorenzo Kane needs some time off. The way that Jackie Bradley Jr. can just come in, even in the middle of the game, and immediately be a gold-glove outfielder robbing home runs, making sliding catches. I think he immediately showed his value. The two things they brought him in for, depth and defense. Little D&D. And he flashed the leather. It, the offense really hasn't been there, although he does have a home run. It was a rather insignificant one against the, the Twins the first time around. I think Jackie Bradley Jr. has shown why they brought him in. Got to give David Stern some credit for that as well. Big picture, the last three games against the Cardinals reminded me a lot of that opening series against the Twins, right? The Brewers lost to a team on their home opener at Bush Stadium. Arenado hits a bomb. It was like like picture perfect, right? Isn't that exactly what the the Brewers did to the Twins on their home opener? Yelich and Shaw all making plays down the stretch, and then they're winning in extras to celebrate their home opener. Same kind of thing happened 
The Cardinals got the Brewers on their home opener. And then over the rest of the series, the Brewers showed that they were the better team, at least this weekend. And then last weekend, the Twins showed that they were the better team over the Brewers. Despite losing in kind of fluky fashion on opening day uh, against a team who was celebrating their home opener, they persevered and they got it done the next two, three games. The Brewers did the exact same thing. I thought there were a lot of similarities between Brewers Cardinals and Brewers Twins. Just six games apart. Three games apart, I guess. We're only nine games in. Let's take a break. I want to talk about some injuries that the Brewers are facing. We'll hear from Craig Council about what the plan is with Shaw and Yelich and a couple of others. They're banged up right now. Daniel Robertson starting starting at shortstop tonight. So we'll hear from Craig Council, talk about some of those guys, and I want to talk more about Travis Shaw as the show rolls along, too. More of the Wisco Sports Show, talking a lot of brewers, coming up after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, rolling on. Appreciate you hanging out and hope you had a great weekend. My name is Grant Bills. You can be part of the show talking a lot of brewers, although I'll take comments on anything. A lot went down the last couple of days, so there's a lot to talk about. The number, 608-796-2558. Schmidt texts in and says, hey, me and everybody else talked. D&D is not something we're going to be saying anymore. Thank you, Schmidt. You don't like that? I thought that was a fun acronym. Depth and defense, D&D. Schmidt declines. He says no. Okay, that's fine. I'll keep trying. Billy says, I have nothing to add. Just happy to hear you on the radio since the Brewers have been robbing your time slot. Billy, very similarly to the way that Jackie Bradley Jr. used his defense to rob a home run two days ago against the Cardinals. But I appreciate the sentiment, Billy. Thank you. I'm glad to be back today. I don't know what the Brewers schedule looks like the rest of this week. I don't think we have a really bad conflict, although we got nothing but time. So let me check here. Friday, July. On uh, second thought, this is terrible radio. Yeah, we have a 640, 640, 710. So we're good this week. We should have a bunch of full shows to talk about the Brewers that won't be covered up by the Brewers, which I enjoy. I'm glad that I will be on the radio. And thank you for that nice text, Billy. You can also tweet at me at Wisco Grant if you want to be a part of the show That way, I would love to celebrate these two series wins against the Cubs and the Cardinals. I would love to celebrate all the way until 6 o'clock, but I think that would be slightly irresponsible because we have some serious things to discuss as well. Business to attend to, if you will. We have some injuries, and that kind of has me worried. Unlike with the Bucs, I think they're just hammered. I don't know if they're injured. I think they just might be drunk. The Brewers do have injuries, legit injuries, especially in the infield. Colton Wong went down. Shaw has a shin contusion, although he's in the lineup for tonight, so I don't know how bad it could be. Yelich has lower back tightness or something along those lines. Lower back tightness, lower back soreness. I don't know. No, it's his lower back. Craig Council talking about Travis Shaw, Christian Yelich, and uh, their health. Similar, uh, Christian's just, it's low back tightness day to day. And Travis is a, let's see, right shin contusion, and, and this, it'll be the same day to day. We'll see how they're doing tomorrow. Not rolling them out. Uh, we'll just see how they get down when they get to the field. D to D. Day to day. D to D. Another clever acronym. Day to day. That's actually how it shows up on the ESPN Fantasy app. That's not me being a troll. That's that's actually, that's correct. D to D. Day to day. So without Wong, Shaw's banged up. 
Keston here is back at second tonight, which I don't particularly love. Okay, I don't want to make this all about Orlando Arcia, but it sure would be nice to have him at the moment. I, it's just nice to have the depth, and I thought this team was all about depth. Craig Council and David Stern's all about depth. They just want depth, 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 depth. I thought Council said Arcia was going to move around, and they were going to use him in different spots, and he was going to be a nice, valuable piece for them throughout the season. I, I don't know what happened to that, because you're down Colton Wong, and Travis Shaw might be a little dinged up. I don't want to move Keston here back to second base, but I don't I don't think they have any way around it because you want to have Vogel back in the lineup. He's hitting the ball pretty well. He had a decent weekend. So Keston here needs a place to play, so you move him back to second, which takes up a little more mental real estate than I would prefer. So within the first week of the season, you've seen the Brewers trade away depth, and now they have a need for depth. This is just an example of how the Brewers, I think, at times this year have shown that they're really prioritizing pitching. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just calling it like I see it. The the Brewers think pitching is going to be a premium this year. They want to make sure they have lots of arms, want to make sure that they have lots of depth because there could be injuries, because they want to be careful going from a 60-game season to a 162-game season, which I I get. If they're concerned about it, I'm not going to argue because I've never pitched, I've never played baseball. The Brewers seem to think it's going to be a huge deal, so they trade away Orlando Arcia, who's depth at an infield position, for depth of relievers, neither of which are very good at all. Two guys that I have never heard from. Brewers are really, really prioritizing pitching. So you have guys now who are going to play substantial time if Wong misses more than 10 days. You're going to have Jace Peterson and Daniel Robertson, who's playing shortstop tonight. And what about Luis Urias? Is this guy ever going to show me something? They were going to do anything. He just kind of seems like he's out there, and I I don't know if I don't know if he's their long term plan at shortstop. Every move they've made would indicate that he is, right? Making a trade that they didn't really need to make because they really wanted him. Okay, you bring him in, and he doesn't really do anything. But you trade away Orlando Arcia anyways, so you kind of signal to the world that Luis Urias is our plan at shortstop. Well, I does he deserve that? I know he's got all the potential, and he was a good prospect, but there's lots of good prospects. Matt Gamble was a good prospect. It's another infield example. I, I Alcides Escobar, right? Orlando Arce himself, great shortstop prospects. I think Escobar's a World Series champ. Didn't he win World Series with Kansas City? I could be wrong. Luis Urias is just a prospect. I, I don't want to invest anything in him that I don't have to at this moment in time because is he that much better than Daniel Robertson? or Jace Peterson, or whoever else they have to roll out at shortstop, the statistics so far this season would indicate no. Once again, that can change. I know that they've only played nine games. I am very well aware of the small sample size we're dealing with. But I I don't get it with Luis Urias. I, to be fair, before the season started, I didn't get it. Me and David Gasper have had some long, painful conversations about this. We certainly probably will again. I keep reading that Luis Urias is the next guy, and being told that he's the next guy and he's got all the tools and I just, I haven't seen it yet. So I look forward to hopefully seeing it. I want to show me something. Show me something, Luis Urias. Uh, There was a little bit of breaking news regarding tonight's Brewer game. Uh, There was a positive test with a bullpen coach, but the traveling party is good. Everybody's uh, tested negative. Everything's good. The game's good tonight. So we won't have to worry about a, a postponed game or a game that's moved around. The Twins, on the other hand, not not tonight. The Twins and the Red Sox game has been postponed, as has the Timberwolves game uh, due to what's going on in the Twin Cities. But the Brewers are good. We don't need to get into what's going on in the Twin Cities. We're going to talk more Brewers, more Travis Shaw coming up next. 
The number, if you want to join, 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. Wisco Grant on Twitter. If you want to talk Travis, I almost said Travis Scott. Travis Scott or Travis Shaw, both are good. Let's keep talking Brewers. Coming up next, you're on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Talking Brewers. The door's always open if you want to talk about something else, though. I think the Brewers, the way I think about it today, the Brewers are our foundation. They are our ham and cheese and our bread. Now, if you want to throw in some flavor, you want to call about WrestleMania, you want to text in about the Masters, you want to talk about the debacle on Sunday Night Baseball, hey, I'll I'll take it, right? The door is wide open. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. You can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant as well. Just talking a little bit about the Brewers and depth. Right, and Orlando Arcia and how he was depth, and then they traded him, and now they could kind of use some depth. Excuse me. <clears throat> they could kind of use some depth. They got injuries in their infield with Colton Wong. They're trying to figure out what to do with Keston here and Daniel Vogelback. You could use an extra player right now. And Duke in lacrosse texts in. I think he makes a pretty good point. He says, the crew has to trade for depth. Their farm system was already near the worst in baseball, and with no minor league ball last year, nobody developed. Best way to get better is to play. Duke. I think that's a fantastic point, and I think you're exactly right. They do need to continue to build up that farm system. I'm all about that. I, I don't know that the players they acquired for Orlando RC really move the needle and really improve their farm system that much. I, I think of the trades over the last couple of years that they've made that this kind of led to a slow bleed of talent out of their farm system. Of course, we can talk about the Yelich deal, right, where you gave up Lewis Brinson and, what was it, Asan Diaz, right, the the... the Big-name prospects. By the way, that's turned out to be a tremendous trade because Lewis Brinson doesn't seem like he's all that. I think of of more so the trades that have really put a hamper on their farm system. It's like the Mauricio Dubon deal, who they traded for Pomerantz. Yeah, Pomerantz is a good reliever. I would contend that he was made better by the management and the situation, Craig Council and the Brewers. But Mauricio Dubon was like, he was one of their prime prospects. He's a top-five prospect, and they gave him up for a reliever. And I get that, like, you always trade for a reliever for a playoff run, but not with one of your prime prospects. Like, you could get Madison Bumgarner for not that much more. I don't know. Some of these deals, they, they've they made the deal to kind of go for it, and I think they've overpaid at times. The Mauricio Dubon deal is an example. He's now in San Fran. Came over in the Pomerantz deal. I don't know. I, I feel with you, you need to find a way to build up your farm system, and that's why I just have a hard time believing that at some point they don't trade Josh Hader. Might be after this season, Depending on how the season goes, it might be during. I, I, I don't know. I think at some point you have to trade Hater, right? You get a you get a haul for him. You could restart your farm system with that trade. But then I've seen it written that the Brewers could be in on guys like Trevor Story. Why not? So it just kind of depends on which school of thought you subscribe to. Whether they're going to continue building or at some point they're going to press pause and and reload their farm system. I don't know. Either way, Duke, I appreciate the context. I appreciate the point. And the text on the talk and text line, 608-796-2558, Twitter, at Wisco Grant. want to talk a little bit about Travis Shaw. I, I think I think he's a feel-good story. How can he not be? How can you not watch Travis Shaw? Or how can you, excuse me, watch Travis Shaw and not smile? How can you not be joyful? 
it's always fun to watch your sports teams win. I've enjoyed every Packers win I've ever watched. Same with the Bucks. Same with the Brewers. I get enjoyment out of that. But then sometimes it's next level. There's a specific player or there's a specific game that I enjoy more so because I really like a player or because that game is especially meaningful. Travis Shaw so far through nine games is one of those players that I just, I'm really enjoying watching. I'm really happy for him. I'm glad that he is coming along nicely and kind of entrenching himself as the Brewers third baseman, which I don't think we expected. We all hoped for, but we didn't expect. And I'm joyful watching him play baseball. It's just a joy to see some of these struggling hitters get going, right? Avi Garcia all of a sudden is hitting the heck out of the baseball. I remember getting my hair cut last February, and Jamie, my barber, Ken's on the north side, loves talking Brewers. Always when I come in, wants to talk about what's going on with the Brewers. And I remember he, he's saying, hey, Grant, you got you to gotta take it easy. I think Avi Garcia is going to be something for this team. I think that's a sneaky good move. Now, he didn't disagree about Ryan Healy and Eric Sogard and some of those other moves. He's like, oh, yeah, we could take or leave those. But Avi Garcia, sneaky good pickup. And my barber last February was telling me that. And it didn't turn out to be the case last season. But Avi Garcia so far this season is certainly playing with a vengeance. Certainly bounced back. Right, and showed that, that, okay, there was something there. There is a reason that Stearns acquired him. Same with Omar Narvaez. And it's good to watch all these hitters get going, but I think I'm happiest of all for Travis Shaw. I almost say Travis Scott every time. This is going to become a problem this season, I'm now, I'm now realizing. Travis Shaw, 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 currently hitting 308. he He's got two home runs already, 10 RBIs, which is substantial considering the Brewers have only scored 38 runs. It's a little bit less than a third of the entire team's run production has come via the bat of... Travis Shaw. And I think it's especially enjoyable because sports, we love a good redemption story, right? I was seeing uh, Julian Edelman tweets today and Tom Brady tweets. We love it when they are suspended for PEDs or for cheating and they were to come back and win a Super Bowl. We really ate that up. We're a big fan of the redemption arc in Tom Brady and Julian Edelman, just using an example that was in the news today, right? We love a redemption story like Travis Shaw. Think of where he was in 2019. He was hitting 157. He looked completely helpless, like he was lost. He was broken as a hitter. And to make matters worse, he was the roadblock standing in the way of Keston Hira, right? We wanted send him down, send him down, send him down so we could get Keston Hira up. And I still contend that they should have done that earlier than they did because Keston Hira was killing the minor leagues. I think they might have been able to play their way out of the wild card and maybe into the divisional round that year, which could have proven to get the job done seeing they lost to the world. World Series champs, the eventual World Series champs in the wild card round, right? They, they just, they let him toil away, toil away before finally sending him down. That, that toiling away included a two for 32 slump. And then they brought him back up at the end of the year and he went two for 14. I was looking up these stretches today and it's ugh, no good. Non-tendered, let him go. He had a bare minimum type season in Toronto and he's basically out of baseball. He was left to come back to the Brewers to take a minor league deal with major league roster incentives and just try to earn his way back onto the field. And I think that those two seasons of struggle have helped Travis Shaw in the long run and have benefited him as a player now. And, and those that struggle is benefiting him as a player right now. Uh, which you, you got to be careful to say like, oh, he had a garbage year. I think it benefited him in the long run. You need to, you need to be careful about making those arguments. Uh, when I was writing this take today, I, I 
thought back to the Tony Dungy take after the Dak Prescott interview. Do you remember this? This was last year. And you know what? As tough as this is for Dak Prescott, it might be a blessing in disguise for the Cowboys. They've got a good veteran quarterback who can make some plays, and this might cause them to get back to their old formula. Lean on the running game. Lean on Ezekiel Elliott. Right. Help that defense out by controlling the ball. You still got wide receivers, and Andy Dalton's going to make some plays with those receivers. No doubt. He's not chopped liver. We know that. <sighs> Chris Sims at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You are. Yeah, you're right. That's the stupidest take ever. One of the best quarterbacks in the NFC breaks his ankle. Just really gruesome injury. Going to miss the, the whole season. And your take is, well, actually, this is good for him because now they'll run the ball. It's not 1984. It's 2021, man. Like, no, it's not going to benefit him in the long run. It wouldn't even benefit him if Ezekiel Elliott was a good running back, which he's not. Tony Pollard is much better. Mike McCarthy didn't come to Dallas to run the football. Let's be honest. Man never could quite manage that whole running game. Never really got that down to a science. Right? And I I don't want to be Tony Dungy here and say that Travis Shaw being out of the league for all intents and purposes for two years or playing that poorly for two years helped him in the long run. But I think I think it did. And I don't know what Travis Shaw was working on in the minor leagues or in the offseason or in Toronto. I don't know. But watching him so far this season, I think the struggle has helped him in the long run because he reminds me now at the plate of Craig Council. So relaxed. Not trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Not trying to crush it. Just trying to put the barrel on the ball. Just, just put it where a defender isn't. Great metric for this. Is Travis Shaw will get a hit? And what will... Anderson, what will the Rock say right away? What will those two say? That's just a great piece of hitting, right? That That's every at-bat for Travis Shaw. Seeing a lot of pitches, relaxed, taking it easy on his swing, protecting the plate, just looking to, you know, take the ball to the opposite field. Oh, nice uh, inside-out swing. Brought his hands in. I don't know what that means, but I hear it on TV all the time. <laughs> that's what Travis Shaw has been doing. And it's been fun to watch. It's been good to see. It makes me happy. He looks so relaxed and calm and simple. And I think that's come through in press conferences too. Every sound bite that I've heard of him has been about how, you know, today was a good day. We had fun. It was a good team win, good performance. This is after yesterday's game. Big first inning right there, getting four runs in the first is huge. Kind of kept the line moving that whole inning. And anytime you can score that many in the top of the first kind of settles everybody into the game a little bit. And we poured some more on in the second and got him out of there quick and pitching, pitching held on. So good day. Good day. Gonna have a good day by Nappy Roots. You ever heard that song? Just very happy-go-lucky, take what I can get. I think it's kind of the same thing for Travis Shaw. And I think those two years where he struggled and he had to work and he basically had to hit sports rock bottom to then come back, have this nice redemption arc where he's hitting the ball really well for the Brewers. He's got two home runs and 10 RBIs already. He's playing really, really good defense, which is needed right now because every other infield position is rather uncertain. With Colton Wong out, when Colton Wong's healthy, he'll be the second baseman. But still, I don't know what you're doing at shortstop because Luis Urias is, I, I don't know. You play, um, who's in the lineup today? Daniel Robertson, Jace Peterson. And then whatever you're doing between Keston Hira and Daniel Vogel back over at first base, I don't know. But one ounce of certainty at the moment in the infield is Travis Shaw at third base. And that's pretty cool considering what's went down over the last, what, two years? between a really, really rough year in Milwaukee in 2019 where he just couldn't do anything, and then Toronto last year in a 60-game season. It's cool to see what Travis Shaw is up to. Duke and lacrosse, well, I'll allow you to clarify, I suppose. He says, let's call up Mitchell for the outfield issues. There are no outfield issues. What the hell are you talking about? 
and Terang to play middle field, uh, middle infield. Both are plus defenders. Whatever you get from them offensively is a bonus. Stearns wouldn't do it because he'd waste an option year for both. I think it would be dumb to waste an option year, especially for Garrett Mitchell. Is he like 19? How old is Garrett Mitchell? You hitting the booze already, Duke? Garrett Mitchell, how old is he? Terrible radio Googling stuff on the air. But I, I want to normalize looking things up on the air because I don't want to talk out my butt and be really wrong about something. Isn't Garrett Mitchell, they just drafted him, right? He's 22. Yeah, so they did just draft him. I don't I don't know that you're going to call him up and have him be a, a player at the major league level right away. Now, middle infield, Terang, Terang might be interesting. How old is Bryce Terang? What the heck? We're already Googling stuff on air. Let's keep it going. Bryce Terang. I don't know what their plan is at shortstop. They seem to think it's Luis Urias. Bryce Trang's even younger. He's 21. So, Duke, I wouldn't hold your breath on either player. I think they need to figure out what they have in Luis Urias. And I think they've been kicking that can down the road. He's a prospect. We're excited about him. He's got all the tools. Okay, you keep saying that, but I'm going to need to start to see it. (laughs) Like, pretty soon. Not in the first nine games. I'm more patient than that. Come on. But pretty darn soon, we need to know if Luis Urias can play or not because you need to make plans moving forward. And I haven't seen it yet. I've heard it, but I haven't seen it yet. Let's take a break. I want to preview the Cubs for the last couple of minutes of the show. What's been going on with the Chicago Cubs? Any of your thoughts, welcome on the talk and text line, your tweets as well. Final segment, let's wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, final segment. My name is Grant Bills. Looking forward to a great Brewers-Cubs game tonight. Freddie Peralta, Mussy TV. Who are the Cubs got going? Peralta and Azalea. Adela, Adela, Lanolin, Lanolin. I don't know. I've never heard of this guy before. <laughs> Hendricks is tomorrow, and Arietta's the next day. Those names I know. Azalea, Lanolin. I'm not sure, but Freddie Peralta, who I just, I can't miss. When he's pitching, when he's playing, I want to see how it goes. And I think over the last couple of years, we've seen that it has catastrophe potential. But I'm hoping that this season, moving into the future, a little bit more consistency. And I, I, from day one on this show, I've talked about how part of becoming a superstar player or a star player or even like a, a really good player in professional basketball, professional football, baseball, consistency. Right? Eric Bledsoe versus Giannis was a great example. I would always make this comparison with Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe could go off for 28 and 12. Yeah, he could. But he's not going to do it every night. Right? Giannis can do 28 and 12 in his sleep. And Giannis is the superstar because he consistently shows up. You know what you're going to get from him night night out. Wide receivers, it's very similar. Like Devontae Adams versus MVS. MVS could go off for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Any time. He could, yeah. Devontae Adams, though, will give you 120 and 10 catches every single week. MVS won't give it to you every week. It's consistency. Part of kind of establishing yourself as a player. And I think Freddie Peralta is in that process. We've seen it in the past. We've seen the flashes of brilliance. And last start, I think we saw some good and the bad. Right? He would make amazing pitches, and he would pitch himself out of jams when he gets some runners on base. Right? Part of that is becoming more consistent, locating all of your pitches, and not being such an unknown from one start to the next. And I think Freddie Peralta is on that journey. I think we watched that journey with Woodruff and Burns. I think Hauser 
is on that journey as well. I'm excited to see how that plays out tonight with Freddie Peralta. I think he's can't miss TV or can't miss radio. If you're listening on WKTY 1051 in Eau Claire, the zone in Madison. With the voice of Zach Halpern. By the way, Zach Halpern bullying me on Twitter today. Not a good look for him. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Halpern. Zach, you're an icon. All right. You are a social media influencer. You are the voice of a network. And you are a reporting icon in the state. Not a good look for you to punch down. I must say, punching, punching at me on Twitter today, making fun of the way I format my tweets. Low blow, man. All right. You, you, you punch up. Okay. You don't punch down. It was very unflattering from our friend Zach Heilprin today. We might have to ban him from the show for this week. I had no plans of having him on, but let's say I did. They are now canceled. Zach, you're banned for one week. We gave Ebo this treatment. I will provide the same treatment to you. Any thoughts before the end of the show? At me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. can tweet me. You can text as well, 608-796-2558. Duke, I would not hold your breath for calling up Mitchell and Terang. Both are younger than me, substantially. So I don't I don't see that happening anytime soon. Fun idea, yeah. Um, but I just I don't think that's gonna work. Cubs Brewers tonight. Let's talk a little bit about the Cubs. They're four and five. I mean they're only one game worse than the Brewers in in win loss wise. If the Brewers offense didn't struggle through the first couple of series, we'd probably be mocking the Cubs today. We'd be laughing at them. And we'd say, oh, my God, they've only scored 26 total runs so far. That's 27th out of 30 MLB teams. Right? They're behind Detroit and Pittsburgh. Ew, stinky. We'd be, mo- we'd be mocking them. This is a run tally per game. 3, 5, 4, 4, 0, 2, 4, 2, 1. No crooked number yet. Haven't hung a 9 or an 8 or a 7 yet. We knock on wood that that doesn't happen against the Brewers at some point. I think fans would be more patient with the Cubs if the offseason had gone differently, like if they, if they would have done what the Brewers did, add Colton Wong, add Jackie Bradley Jr., or fill in the blank, add anyone, right? I think fans would be more optimistic and more patient with the Cubs. But they let a bunch of guys go, offensively and pitching-wise. And I think Patrick Mooney covers baseball for the Athletics, said it really well today. I want to read you this excerpt because I think it sums it up nicely. Baseball is a game of timing, adjustments, and endurance. It's hard to slash the baseball operations budget, trade you Darvish, reshuffle the hit, the hitting coaches, bring back largely the same group of offensive personnel, and then tell everyone to relax when their team starts slow. Huh. You know what that makes me think of? That makes me think of the Packers. What if the Packers get off to a slow defensive start last year? What are we supposed to say? Hey, at least we brought back Kevin King in an outrageous number, and don't worry, Will Redmond's still here. Like you, 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 you kind of burn up the benefit of the doubt you're given by your fan base. And we're through nine games. I'm not saying the Cubs are trash. They very well can make the playoffs. Hell, they could win the division. I don't know. I don't care at this moment in time. All I know right now is they're a game under 500, and their offense, as Theo Epstein once said, appears broken. And when you slash a lot of crucial parts of your team to save money in the offseason, you're, gonna, you're, you're not going to have patient fans, right? You're not going to have... Your fans aren't going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So the way I see it, this series is either going to go one of two ways. Brewers are going to start and just be buzzsaws through the Cubs. The Brewers' starting arms are between Peralta and Woody and Burns. Or the exact opposite will happen, and the Cubs' bats will get hot because, just because. Baseball. That's how it works. This is what happens. It's going to go one of those two ways. I'm hoping for the former. Cubs fans are certainly hoping for the latter. Coach Wunsch asks, Peralta is must-see TV? Yesterday, Kershaw and Scherzer, that's more like it. Well, yeah, sure. 
Kershaw and Scherzer are going to go down as two of the best ever do it. By the way, Max Scherzer, former logger, played at Copeland Park, as did Eric Thames. Didn't Zimmer? Who are the loggers? I need a I need a spit sheet in the studio to know who played for the the Mallards, the loggers, and the Express. Off the top of my head, yeah, Scherzer and Kershaw are two of the best to do it. I gotta say, I get a lot more excited to watch Peralta than I do Brett Anderson. The result may be worse. Brett Anderson was a winning pitcher yesterday. He went five innings, got the, got through the the necessary five, and ended up winning the game. But Freddie Peralta is a fascinating player to me. I really can't miss it when he's on TV. I need to see what he's up to because it's going to be flashy. It's going to be extravagant. It's going to be entertaining. Brett Texan says, "Hey Grant, Brew Crew tonight, big bats." Yes, Brett. Hoping for the big, hoping for the big bats. The lineup. Uh, if you missed it, Craig Council is always getting a little bit creative. Kane, Vogelback, Shaw, Garcia, Bradley, Hira, Narvaez, Robertson at shortstop, and Freddie Peralta in the nine spot on the bump. Robertson at short, huh? Still waiting. Still, still waiting for uh, for Luis Urias. The, the golden boy, the guy that we shipped out of Orlando, or we shipped out Orlando Arcia to give this guy the keys to the kingdom. Haven't really seen it yet. I look forward to seeing it soon. I'm not trying to hate. I don't want to sound like I'm hating. I mean, I'm kind of a little bit because I'm salty about my guy Arcia now being with the Atlanta Braves. But Daniel Robertson at shortstop? Eesh. Also interesting tonight, Keston here is back at second base. So file that in your mental cabinet of things to look out for and possible causes and effects of things that might be interesting. Just pay attention to that. Kessinier is now back at second base. Vogel Vogelback, back guy, is back at first base. So just interesting to see how that impacts the play on the field, but also the mentality at the plate. Kessinier is going through a lot right now. High expectations and position switches. Enjoy the game tonight. 6.05 pregame, which means 6.40 first pitch. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about it all. Same time, same place here on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then.